This is a Soulfire production. Yo, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Politically Homeless. This sounds like I can't breathe out of my nose. That's because I can't. I feel like absolute dog shit. But I'm on the I'm on my way back. I'm on my way back from whatever this head cold, respiratory infection, whatever it was, it was unpleasant and it was not COVID, which is a bummer because I've been trying to get COVID for like this whole time. I just walk up to people in gas stations and just tell them to spit in my mouth. And maybe that's my kink and maybe that's my strategy. But either way. I enjoy it. So, we got a bunch to talk about today. There's some things going on uh, that aren't going to be covered in day, today's episode. One, because my brain was just like not functioning this past week. Um, we've got the situation with Ukraine that's going to be interesting, but there's a lot of people out there that, that are all of, a sudden, all of a sudden foreign uh, foreign policy experts today. They, they weren't yesterday, but they are today. Uh, and I'd rather educate myself on what the hell's going on and what the what the best course of action is for that before I start talking out of my ass. <sighs> Something else I don't want to cover too in depth is this whole Jesse, Juicy, Smollett, Don Lemon fuckery that is happening. It's some of this stuff just gets so much airtime that I'm like, why invest my energy into this? Why? Like, it's so stupid. What he did was so dumb. And the response was so dumb. And maybe I just don't have the tolerance for that kind of just race-baiting bullshit right now. I know that Ben Shapiro will talk about it for no less than 47 hours straight. Just a 47-hour live stream of him crying about Jesse Smollett. I, dude, Chappelle did the best job. Chappelle, if you haven't watched Sticks and Stones, it's a great time to go back and watch Sticks and Stones. It probably resonates now more than it did then. Yeah, the dude is clearly lying. <laughs> and it seemed like the black community knew he was lying and um, just let him do his own thing. We're going to have a COVID-heavy episode today. Um, just the nature of the beast, things have been coming up. And, you know, between testing and stuff like that, we're going to talk about um, the defense the defense budget and how that just got passed, which is just kind of a war crime in itself. But it's something I wanted to bring up first. Is some Biden polling. Now, keep in mind, this is a very small sample size and, and not, I mean, I think the margin of error was like plus or minus eight points. So we got to keep that in mind, take it with a grain of salt, but it still is a data point nonetheless. So we've got President Biden's approval rating, um, approve uh, overall, approve 41, disapprove 57. But what I'm looking at really is undecided voters and independents in this kind of catch-all here. Independents approve 30%, disapprove 66%. Undecided voters approve 29%, disapprove 63%. So both very close there. As we move down, um, is the country on the right track or the wrong, or moving in the wrong direction? Um, the right track, 27%. I don't know who those people are. Uh, wrong, 63%. In your opinion, what is the best? Who? who <laughs> Hi, guys. This is going to be the show today. <laughs> <laughs> who, in your opinion, is best able to handle each of the following issues? Uh, the economy, 35% Democrat, 46% Republican. Inflation, 26% Democrat, 44% Republican. Securing the border, 16% Democrat, 52% Republican. Very funny. Uh, where, where the Democrats have an advantage? 
This is really funny too. Where the Democrats have an advantage. Get the pandemic under control. 41%, 25%. That does not seem to hold up. Um, improve, improve education, 38 to 29. Make healthcare affordable, 47 to 25. Um, <laughs> well, surprise, surprise, motherfuckers. They're not doing that either. <laughs> so this is just, it's like maybe they'll try. They'll flip. Oh, they'll, they'll pretend to try. It's like when you're a kid and you pretend to brush your teeth. That's how, that's how Democrats handle health care. Now, something else I wanted to bring up, just I wanted to bring some light to that, not really worthy of a full segment, but just, just due to the, the lack of sample size and things like that. But I wanted to bring that up just so you guys could hear those numbers spoken in my weird voice today. 40% of Hispanic voters are offended by the term Latinx. This is a funny one. And <laughs> I don't really know where the Latinx thing came from. I mean, there's lots of different theories on where this thing came from, but it kind of came out of nowhere and overnight people were just saying Lat Latinx or Latinx or, or something like that, which just seems so odd to me, especially the one, this one and the one that's like W-O-M-X-N, like women with an X and where the E is. Uh, I had somebody criticizing me uh, for not elevating the voices of W-O-M-X-N, women um, and this, this person was criticizing me. It was, it was this, it was hilarious actually. And I was like, no, I, I don't think I'll be elevating the voices of whatever the fuck that is. Um, and it's just this weird virtue signaling that, that does nowhere. It's like a, it's, it's just some intellectual liberal intellectual pat on the back bullshit. What we've seen now is only 2%, only 2% of Hispanic voters chose the term Latinx to describe their ethnic background. 68% like Hispanic. 21% like Latina, Latino, 8% something else, 1% no answer. That's just, that's where we're at today. That's where we're at and what we're doing. I mean, this is just odd. And again, not worthy of a full segment. I don't really want to get into the culture war in that way, even though I'm going to be diving in in many other ways today. Uh, Katarina, Paige, and Kristen, thank you so much for joining the Patreon this week. You guys are awesome. I appreciate the fuck out of you. If you want to join the Patreon, get a bonus episode every week that is crowdsourced from the premium community for the premium community, then jump in there. As we get the Thought Criminals podcast rolling, my interview show rolling out in 2022, you get that thing going on January. Maybe we'll launch it on my birthday. That'd be kind of fun. But um, as we get going with that, you'll get ad-free episodes of Thought Criminals as well as ad-free episodes of Politically Homeless and that bonus episode every week. And maybe we'll do some more stuff. I try to, I like to provide as much value as I can for the patrons Really need to get um, that over that three-digit mark. Once we get over 100, we're getting close. Once we get over 100, things will change. I promise. Because at the end of the day, somebody's got to make money around here. <laughs> it's just a capitalistic society, guys. So check that out. Join in. We've got Omicron updates. We've got inflation talk. Trevor Noah, defense budgets, more COVID stuff, as I said. And the something to think about at the very end, my favorite segment, of course, is a, a new take on news that I think could catch on and be beautiful. But with all that being said, let's get to the state of things. It's time. We'll see if we can make it through. All right, all right. Wanted to start off the episode today uh, with an Omicron update. The Omicron variant 
of COVID-19. Um, breaking news, really, when it comes to the Overcon variant, no one has died. And pharmaceutical companies are trying to make as much money as possible off the deaths of no one. When in reality, what this could be is exactly what we needed. A very mild, very contagious variant of Omicron that will give everybody natural immunity. Now, natural immunity isn't profitable, so we're seeing a lot of stuff about that. But to highlight the real, the real important points here, no one has died as of yet, and, and it could be our savior, and pharmaceutical companies are doing everything they can to stack that fucking cash. That's it. Moving on. So we hear lots and lots of discussion about inflation right now, and which is true. Inflation is really happening. Inflation is at all-time highs. That is true. I don't want to dispute that. But corporations do what corporations do. And they're using this excuse to create higher and higher profits for themselves. When you tell people that things are going to be more expensive and you think that major corporations and small businesses aren't guilty of this, by the way, small businesses have not really done this. You have, they have not seen the same increase in profits, but major corporations have, they have leveraged the fear mongering around inflation, which again is a very real thing and will cause higher prices. But inflation by definition is the increase in prices of consumer goods and they are padding inflation. So they're using inflation to create more inflation. Now let's check this shit out. This is from Business Insider, so you know it's good. Um, companies are pocketing their fattest profits in more than 70 years, even as they complain about inflation. For the last several months, corporate executives have been loudly lamenting the rising cost of doing business due to supply chain disruptions and labor shortages. Indeed, inflation's at level not, levels not seen since the early 1990s has shown itself to be both larger and more persistent than almost anyone is comfortable with. Roughly four out of five companies surveyed by the Richardson Federal Reserve reported hiking up prices for consumers to cover it at, at least some of the input costs they were exper experiencing. But those executives have been a bit more discreet, apart from their quarterly earnings calls, about celebrating their record profit margins they've been able to achieve by not only passing costs on to consumers, but charging even more. <laughs> Never let a good crisis go to waste. More than half of the companies surveyed by the small, uh, by the small business services reviews website digital.com reported raising prices beyond what was required to offset rising input costs. In other words, business are inflate, businesses are inflating already inflated prices in order to return a bigger profit amid people's fears over uncertain times. The site's small business expert, Dennis Corsente, said in a statement, additionally, large firms are more likely to engage in this practice than small businesses, the survey found. In fact, at least uh, the latest data from, this, from the U.S. Commerce Department shows that the last time corporate profit margins were so large was December of 19. 50. December of 1950. So the same companies that fund your media, that rule your life, that set prices, that set wages, are using an inflation crisis to price gouge you. That's what's happening. That's the reality. Multiple things can be true at one time. Yes, inflation is causing rising, price, uh, rising prices. And the fever around that is creating an incentive to raise prices beyond what is necessary to meet profit margin goals. And this is being bragged about on earnings calls. Now we've seen some of these recordings of these earning calls coming out. And this is everything from consumer goods to gasoline. 
So what do we do about this? How do we, how do we look at this? How do we, we don't, there's not really anything. There's, that's the thing. There's not really a goddamn thing you or I can do about this. There's not really an option for us here. But it's worth noting. And it's worth taking these things you hear with a grain of salt, right? All the things that you hear about inflation with a grain of salt. There's a lot of crazy supply chain issues and a lot of this stuff could sort itself out. But to think that this is one, all Joe Biden's fault, and we all know here that I'm not a Joseph R. Biden fan, right? (laughs) But to think that this wasn't already coming, and Dave Smith, a libertarian, uh, was on Fox News talking about this. This inflation was coming anyways. This inflation was coming anyways. Now, Biden's holding the bag, which is fine because he deserves it. But this was coming anyways. Government spending has been absolutely out of control. We're going to talk about a little bit more of that later down the show. But I wanted to bring this up because this, this exposes a lot about the issues that we have in this country. Right? And we now we have more workers, even at places like Google, demanding pay increases to meet inflation. Because the cost of living has gone that high. Now, I don't really feel a ton of sympathy for Google workers, to be honest with you. But let's just ask ourselves the question that we like to ask ourselves here at Politically Homeless. Who ends up getting the most fucked by this? Who ends up getting the most fucked by this? By inflation plus price gouging? And the answer is the working class, as per usual. Which could just be, might as well just be like this sentiment of the United States. That should be our motto. Not land of the free home of the brave because that's complete horseshit. Our motto should be fuck the working class. That should be the American motto. It's bipartisan. Fucking the working class is bipartisan. Like the Democrats and the Republicans are Eiffel Towering the working class. Somebody make that meme. Somebody make that meme. <sighs> what a weird time to live in. I mean, yeah, <laughs> working class gets fucked. At, at the end of the day, you know, my, maybe my brain was clicking a little, a little better today. I could, I could go on some, a longer rant. But at the end of the day, what we have here is inflation plus price gouging, which leads to the working class getting straight hosed yet again. The Daily Show's Trevor Noah blasted for knocking Moderna CEO's vaccine push. God forbid. God forbid. Forbid you question the intentions of our big pharma overlords, Trevor Noah, especially from the perch that you have put yourself on of condescension and 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 finger wagging at people who might have questions about the intentions of those that seem to be running our policy. It just makes sense, right? Like, you know, uh, ExxonMobil should be able to set the environmental agenda. And Big Pharma should be able to tell us what is and isn't healthy. That's, that, again, that's the American way, right? That's the world we live in. That's, that's, that's the beauty of capitalism, right? And I have libertarians out there like, well, it's the, the real problem was where these big companies intersect with the government. Yeah. And what is your plan for keeping that to happen? Because none of your motherfucking candidates can even enforce antitrust laws. So I, do I, am I supposed to have faith in you? Libertarian man or woman? Are they them? Hmm? Anyways, let's continue here. And I'm on one today <laughs> in a very strange way. No one's laughing at the Daily Show host Trevor Noah's new take on coronavirus vaccine maker Moderna. 
The late night comedian appears to be suspicious of Moderna CEO Stéphane Banchel, who recently went public with concerns over how well his vaccine will hold up against the Omicron variant, which yet again hasn't killed anyone and has proven to be quite mild. Um, Noah questions Banchel's intentions, and he alleges that the pharma boss might not be the most objective source for pandemic predictions. Really? So, wow, what a novel thought. What a novel thought. I'm pretty sure that people like me have been talking about this shit since like 2010. And I'm sure before that, there were people talking about it that were older than me. They just happened to wake up to it before I did. Oh. <laughs> On the one hand, almost all the Omicron vet cases, you know what? Let's just go right to him. Play. Let's just go right to him speaking here. On the one hand, almost all the Omicron cases have been mild so far. But on the other hand, the guy who stands to gain millions of dollars from new vaccines says we need new vaccines. Huh. If we don't make a new vaccine, this disease could be with us Ferrari. I mean, forever. Sorry, I was thinking of something else. Now, look, I'm not saying that the CEO of Moderna is lying. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, I don't think he's the most objective source on this topic. You know, I'll wait to hear what neutral experts say about a new vaccine. People like public health officials. Yeah, they're neutral. Or the yeah. CEO of Johnson & Johnson. I mean, he's got nothing to gain because <laughs> nobody's going to buy his vaccines either way. So I trust him. I mean, the only good bit there was the Johnson & Johnson bit. That's pretty funny. But the, the Ferrari one is quite dumb. But he's not that funny of a guy. I mean, it is what it is. And then this guy, Raph. Who is Raph? I don't even know who that is. Um, to all the COVID idiots who think this means Trevor Noah has joined your death cult. Wow, that's, that's nice. Uh, you can be suspicious of big pharma and believe in vaccines and science, just like you can be suspicious of big tech while using your phone to read this. Can you? I'm pretty sure that gets you banned on a lot of social media. That's weird. I didn't know you could. So Trevor Noah is getting dragged here, and there's been a lot of like, I could go pull the most outrageous tweets. We're not going to do that. But maybe there's a little bit of um, a, a, a leak of common sense into the minds of people like Trevor Noah that are going, wait a second, wait a second. This seems, I remember the five vaccine thing being a conspiracy theory like just a few months ago. They're like, what boosters? We're going we're gonna to have, have to do this forever. It's like, a you know, two shots and done, three shots and done, four shots and done. Oh, wait, hang on a second. Oh, right. Oh, and it seems like this virus is just kind of like doing what viruses do. Kind of like gets more contagious and less impactful as it does because it can only be good at so many things. Now, we also have to consider that maybe that's not the case in a, va in a, in a virus that was created in a lab. Maybe not. Maybe there's something different. Maybe it evolves in a different way. But that's yet to be seen. That is yet to be seen. And now we have Trevor Noah <laughs> becoming a thought criminal all of a sudden. The ally... <laughs> the ally to the pro pharma uh, individuals out there, to the, to the ally to the um, to the accepted narrative, has now shown just a little dissent, just a slight, slight bit of dissent, and the world came crumbling down around him. I, don't, I mean, maybe he'll get fired. I don't know. It wouldn't, it would, it's not outside the stretch of imagination. And something I've been thinking about when this came up, right? Because I don't watch the Daily Show anymore, but I did. Actually, Jon Stewart is one of my favorite commentators of all time. And even Stephen Colbert on The Colbert Show, right? When he played a character that he then became. Um, they were incredible. They were incredible. And it was such a great time for that. It was such a great time for humorous dissent 
and making a mockery of of what was already a joke, right? Like like at that point, you know, you had Hannity and Matt. You had the same people doing the same things, right? Media was already a joke. It's more of a joke now than it was then. Both sides. It's a bipartisan issue. But at the time, you know, the George W. Bush era was a great time for political comedy. And the Trump era kind of was too, but that was, I mean, it was kind of the same thing over and over again. And it was, a lot of that was predicated on lies, right? The thing about George W. Bush is that the the bits about him that were true were the most funny. And Trump had a lot of those too, but the the areas where he, where where the the true corruption lied was actually a common political um, cancer. So you couldn't point those out, right? It's, It's a very strange time. And now Biden seems to be old, too, too old and feeble to make fun of, which is just, ugh, it's kind of gross. But man, I need to go back and watch some of those Jon Stewart and early, early uh, Colbert show episodes. Because what it's become now is, I mean, I'm sure his ratings are trash. I don't know. But it's fun to see it. It's fun to see it. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Cured Nutrition. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go over to curednutrition.com, C-U-R-E-D, nutrition.com, and you're going to check it out. I want you to scope it out. The link is in the show notes of this show, and just see what they're up to. Now, they what they do is they blend you know, adaptogens, medicinal mushrooms, and cannabinoids into these outstanding, beautifully packaged supplements. Now, if you've got a hippie in your life, this would be a great Christmas present. A fantastic one. I mean, the supply chains don't really affect them as much because all their stuff is compounded domestically. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound good? America first. All right. I mean, here's what I think. Pick one of these bundles here. We got the daily dose bundle, the sleep bundle, the relief bundle, or the pet bundle. All right. Now you get a better deal when you do the bundle, of course. The daily dose bundle bundle has three different formulas, Rise, Aura, and Zen. One for the morning, one for just general wellness, one for the evening. Now, if we check out, I'm just cruising to the website here. Their sleep bundle has two different sleep formulations. If you have trouble sleeping, try try it out. What do you have to lose, really? What do you have to lose? Say goodbye to restless nights and hello to complete deep sleep. Come on, baby. And then let's see what else we got here. The relief bundle. Now, this is for those of you out there that like to, you know, Work out and beat yourself up a little bit. You know, maybe do some some ruck hiking. Maybe you like to squat. Maybe you're a little weightlifter. Maybe you just do CrossFit and you're just generally sore all the time. Localized fast acting relief from the salve and the CBD caps. The raw CBD goodness. And then, of course, just add it on if you have a pet. Because you know your pet's existence and happiness is more important than yours. If you have a dog or a cat, you know that's the case. They've got treats and a tincture of raw paw CBD, full spectrum hemp oil. If your dog's anxious when you leave the house or gets anxious in the car like Theo does, get yourself hooked up. They've got a lot of really great supplements, all kidding aside. Fantastic company located here in Colorado. Does a, as, as much as they can domestically. That's why they have products right now. I mean, frankly, this is, this is, the, this is, the, this is the benefit of domestic manufacturing. And just a really amazing company that treats their employees well, which matters a ton to me. 
and does not fuck around with their sourcing of their CBD and other ingredients. A lot of companies out there that you think are like, oh, they're all about, you know, like total human optimization. Well, they're sourcing from like, you know, slave labor, <laughs> right? So it's one of the things where values can kind of manifest themselves in the product and in, in your consumerism. That's what you can do. So curednutrition.com, if you go to that site and type in promo code HOMELESS at checkout, you're going to get 10% off and free shipping. Get yourself some gifts on here. Buy some stuff for your family. If your family, this is the thing too, like my mom's really curious about CBD, so I hooked her up. Like A lot of times people's parents are just like not really keen to the cannabinoids and what it can be. And this is a really... Um, really nice way to introduce somebody to the idea of taking CBD, especially when it, ma- it does matter a lot when you get older as well. So keep that in mind. Maybe, maybe your mom or your dad or even your grandma, or grandpa, who knows, want to, uh, want to try it out. And you know, their body's always aching because they're getting old and shit. Get them that salve, baby. Salve it up. CureNutrition.com promo code homeless. We are also brought to you by a company that has saved my life the past few days as I've been sick. Element is a hydration formulation that does work. Sun. It's got all the essential electrolytes that you need in your body. Salt, magnesium, that good, good. Now, especially since we're coming into winter right now, notoriously in the wintertime, people are underhydrated. They don't get enough vitamin D. They don't get enough hydration. And what creating a, a palatability and reward system within your with your water does is allow you to be hydrated in the times where you don't really feel thirsty. You know what I'm saying? You feeling me here? When you wake up in the morning, you need to be drinking water, okay? It's a lot easier to take drink water when water tastes delicious. That's palatability. And your body's, body's also like, fuck yeah, this is delicious. Let's do more of that. That's the reward. Palatability and reward, okay? So go get yourself the bundle. The bundle? Is it a bundle? The variety pack, that's what it's called. Sorry, I'm in bundle mind right now. The variety pack from Element, from Elemental Labs, created by Rob Wolf, amazing guy, super keen to what the fuck is going on with real nutrition, has changed a lot of lives with really solid, sustainable nutrition and health advice and fitness advice for that matter. So they put this thing together. It's kick-ass. You, the dude would not put his name on it if it wasn't for real kick-ass. And I love it. I drink at least one of these a day, sometimes two. Sometimes if I'm out hiking or hunting or whatever, three. Like I hammer these things um, just because it's efficient hydration and it's delicious. And that's that's a big thing when you want, you know, you know, you need to drink water, but water, it just doesn't have that palatability like that. That's something that tastes good does. And also there's no sugar in it. Nothing artificial, nothing weird. It just tastes good. It's fantastic. I, I have so much belief in this product. And you can get that variety pack sample for just $5. Just got to cover shipping. Go to drinkelement, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com slash wanders. Link is in the show notes of the show, along with the cured ad. Or, oh God, guys, I'm having a rough day. <laughs> the cured link. The cured link and the element link are in the show notes of this show. Supporting these companies is supporting this show. So go check it out. Go to Cure Nutrition Element make it happen. These are both great products that would be great for you. You'll be happy you have them. They do an amazing job. I would not talk about this shit on the show if I didn't love it. Okay. Hope you trust me well enough to know that I'm not bullshitting you here. Check it out guys. Both great gift options for some friends, things like that. If they're into health and nutrition and wellness in general, make it happen guys. Links from the show notes, cured element. Thank you guys for sponsoring the show and let's get back to it. 
oh, okay, see, the first couple segments were just a warm-up. They were just a warm-up because I think I'm about to get heated. Jen Saki. Jen Saki. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how to, how to present this to you. Jen Saki at a press briefing was asked about free COVID tests. Now, let's just see how she responds here. Uh, last week, obviously, the president explained some ramp up in testing, but there's still a lot of countries like Germany and the UK and South Korea that basically have massive testing free of charge or for a nominal fee. Why can't that be done in the United States? Well, I would say first, um, you know, we have uh, eight tests that have been approved by the FDA here. Uh, we see that as the gold standard. Uh, whether or not all of those tests would meet that standard is a question for the scientists and medical experts, but I don't suspect they would. Uh, our objective is to continue to increase accessibility and decrease costs. And if you look at what we've done over the course of time, we've quadrupled the size of our testing plan. We've cut the cost significantly over the past few months, and this effort to uh, to push uh, to ensure ensures are you're able to get your your tests uh, refunded means 150 million Americans will be able to get free tests That's kind of complicated though why not just make them free and give them out to, and have them available every should we just send one to every American maybe maybe then then what ha then what happens if you if every American has one test how much does that cost and then what happens after that all I know is that other countries seem to be making them available for in greater quantities for less money well, I think we share the same objective, which is to make them less expensive and more accessible, right? Uh, every country is going to do that differently. And I was just noting that, again, our tests go through the FDA approval process. That's not the same process that it, it doesn't work that way in every single country. But what we're working to do here is build on what we've done to date and continue to build out our testing capacity. Because, Mara, we absolutely recognize that this is a key component of fighting the virus. Go ahead. Okay, so let's 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 break this down really quick. So I want to first off start off with this um, the FDA argument, right? We have the FDA, so our stuff is better. That's not necessarily the case. The FDA is not concerned with competition, and it sure as fuck is concerned with getting people free tests. I, the FDA is not concerned with people's fucking health. That's not their agenda. That's not their that's not their role. That's their pretend role. That's that's what they want people to think. That's not at all what they do. They don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. When it, when, show me evidence that the FDA gives a fuck about health. Show me one piece of evidence. I would love to see it. So we have a situation now where test manufacturers that are creating high-volume, low-cost tests are not FDA-approved. American companies making low-cost, high-volume, rapid tests, okay? In the United States, let's just, in the U.S., these tests are not FDA-approved, but they're being shipped by the millions to the U.K. and being used. Because they work. Because they work. It seems like the only thing the FDA can get around to fast-tracking is a fucking vaccine. All right? Now, when she kind of mocks this lady for what? Should we just send out free tests to everybody? Or are you crazy? What would that do? What does everybody do with one test? Here's what you fucking do. That's such a straw man bullshit argument. Here's what you do. Maybe you partner with Amazon. Seems like they have pretty good infrastructure. And that infrastructure kind of relies on taxpayer-funded roads and bridges and things like that. So it seems like they kind of owe us one don't they? So how about this? You can order up to, I don't know, in other countries, it's seven tests a day. You can order up to seven tests a day and they show up tomorrow. Wow. We can just go to Amazon with or without a prime account and just order, I don't know, a test a day, two tests a day, three tests a day, whatever it is stockpiled somewhere in an Amazon warehouse. And they just show up at our door, like all of our other, our other Amazon packages. That doesn't seem like fucking complicated, Jen, does it? 
And that's the thing. That's the thing that doesn't make any sense to me. If you're really concerned about community spread, then you would think that COVID tests and antibody tests would be in everybody's house across the country if they wanted it. Why would that not be the case? But the one and only, the one and only thing that they've endorsed to deal with this pandemic, it's not fitness, it's not lung health, it's not physical health, it's not vitamin D, it's nothing. It's not, it's not therapeutics, it's not the, the monoclonal antibodies, which have been incredibly effective. None of these things, not, no, none of the out, amazing therapeutics that have been rolled out to deal with this crisis, right? None of that is available. None of that is spoken about. None of that is allowed in the public discourse. The only thing we can talk about are vaccines. The only thing we can get for free are vaccines. That's it. So what it sounds like to me and what it smells like to me is that you're full of shit. Because if you were really concerned, if you were really concerned about community spread, then the most important thing would be getting people tested. Because guess what? You can't spread a fucking virus you don't have. And if you find out that you're asymptomatic and you can take a test once a week or every few days and they're free and you've got them or you can take your antibody test to know if you're really protected anymore because the vaccine wanes and apparently so does natural immunity or at least that's what they tell you. Well, why the fuck wouldn't those things be in everybody's house across this entire country? And you're going to sit here and talk to me about how much it costs, Jen? You're going to bring up the price while you pass a $2 trillion bill that has God knows what in it? Are you serious? Well, we just allowed a $778 billion military budget. And you're going to sit here and bitch about COVID tests because of the cost? What in the actual fuck? And those things add up. A COVID test right now is $25 a piece on average. Sometimes more, sometimes a little bit less. Okay? $25 a week. For most people who don't make $25 an hour, it's an hour's worth of work or more, sometimes two for people, right, to afford one test. Does that seem appropriate? And again, which communities does that impact the most? I can go, I went and bought three tests the other day just to have a few hanging around, 75 bucks. I can do that. I'm grateful that I can do that. A lot of people can't do that. $75 is a lot of people's fucking grocery budget for the week, Okay to mock this and to sneer and be condescending about doing something that the rest of the world seems to have fucking figured out is the most idiotic and just shameful thing. I mean, come on. This is not that complicated. We have the infrastructure to get whatever the fuck you want. If you want a fucking big floppy dildo tomorrow, I can, you can order it on Amazon right now. Boom, it's there. You can be flagging your dildo around all over the fucking place, but you can't get a COVID test. That's where we're at. That is where you're at. What? 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 This is, their actions do not line up with their words ever. And this isn't a Democrat thing. This is a bipartisan issue. Okay? Their actions, look at, when you want, and I used to, when I was a coach, I used to talk to me about this. If you want to know what someone's values are, don't, don't even listen to a fucking word they say. Look at what they do. Look at their actions. Someone's actions will tell you what their values are. And right now, it seems like the values of the American government is to make sure that Pfizer's stock price goes through to the fucking moon. That's what it seems like. I mean, use your fucking head. This is a simple process. 
And if we don't know how to do it, ask Germany. America first, my ass. Like, a, a pathetic joke. And if that's the thing, let's have a, te- a, a, a COVID test pipeline, a high-speed pipeline for approval of COVID tests. Because it's not like they're going to get you fucking sick. You swab your nose, you swab your mouth, you whatever. Take a little blood, whatever. Whatever it is. Antibody tests. Companies could be mass-producing this for $0.25 cents a piece. So no, the cost would not be that high. But you've got this regulation, regulatory body, the FDA, who exists and is funded by Big Pharma, that doesn't want that to happen. Doesn't want that to happen. Doesn't want to approve, uh, approve therapeutics. Doesn't want to talk about anything that's not going to fucking put money in their pocket. That's not going to increase the value that their shareholders own. That's the world we live in. That's that, and I'm, I know I'm, I'm, re, I'm just like shitting on America today, but this is not a new phenomenon. Many of us were paying attention to this way before COVID. So for me, this is par for the course. But it's, there's a, it, it's under a microscope right now. And it's even more egregious right now. Because one, you're going to scare the fuck out of everybody and make people hate each other on one hand. And you're, you're not going to do the most simple, obvious thing to slow the spread of the virus if that's really your goal. You're not going to do anything to make that happen. Anything at all. You know how hard it is to get reimbursement from your insurance company? You think your insurance companies like forking over cash? No, they don't. It's a pain in the ass. And also, what about the uninsured? Did you just say 150 million Americans? 150 million. Are you aware there's 330 million people in this country? Why are there not a fuck ton of COVID tests at the border? People crossing legally or illegally. They should just have a bucket of COVID tests people can take. See what's up. Why not? (sighs) Absolutely insane. Condescending, sneering, elitist fucking bullshit. I'm going to throw a bone out there to all my conspiracy theory friends. (laughs) Because this one just just, is too good. It's too good. It lines right up. All right, here we go. Up to 300,000 people facing heart-related illness due to post-pandemic stress disorder warns physicians. Interesting. Let's check this out. This is from the Evening Standard in the UK. Up to 300,000 people in the UK are facing heart-related illness due to post-pandemic stress disorder, PPSD, two London physicians have warned. This could result in a 4.5% rise in cardiovascular cases nationally because of the effects of PPSD for those aged between 30 and 45. That's pretty young to have you having a heart issues, huh? Mark Rayner, a former senior NHS psychological therapist and founder of Ease Wellbeing CIC, said that many, as many as 3 million people in Britain are already suffering from PPSD thanks to stress and anxiety caused by the effects of COVID-19. He fears this could result in a dramatic rise in physical illness such as coronary heart failure if cases are not detected and treated early. Mr. Rainier said PPSD is a very real problem on a massive scale as well as the condition itself with its immediate problems. One of the biggest collateral issues is the effect it has on heart health. It is widely recognized that reducing stress and mental health problems is crucial to the prevention of and recovery to cardiovascular events such as heart attacks and strokes. We are talking about as many as 300,000 new patients with heart issues. Mr. Rainier warned that without at least doubling the current funding, the NHS will not be able to tackle the trauma time bomb, which could potentially fatal consequences for those suffering long-term PPSD. Okay, so we're looking at 
PPSD, post-pandemic stress disorder, causing a pretty dramatic increase in heart issues. Okay, what else? What else has effects that could be damaging to heart tissue and heart health? Check the CDC real quick. COVID-19 side effects, myocarditis and pericarditis. CDC and its partners are actively monitoring reports of myocarditis and pericarditis after COVID-19 vaccination. Active monitoring includes reviewing data and medical records and evaluating the relationship to COVID-19 vaccination. Myocarditis is an inflammation of the heart muscle and pericarditis is inflammation of the outer lining of the heart. In both cases, the body's immune system causes inflammation in response to an infection or some other trigger. Seek medical care if your child has symptoms of these conditions after the COVID-19 vaccination. Myocarditis and pericarditis have rarely been reported, um, especially in adolescents and young adult males with several, within several days after the COVID-19 vaccination. Oh, cases of myocarditis reported in the VAERS system have occurred after mRNA, COVID-19, vaccination, Pfizer, BioNTech, or Moderna, especially in male, adolescents, and young adults. More often after the second dose, usually within a week of vaccination. Most patients with myocarditis and pericarditis who recover, um, who receive care, responded well to medicine and rest and felt better quickly. Patients can usually return to the normal daily activities after these symptoms improve. Those who have been diagnosed with myocarditis should consult with their cardiologist about returning to exercise or sport. More information will be shared as it becomes available. Now, wait, let's just look. Both myocarditis and pericarditis have the following symptoms. Chest pain, shortness of breath, feeling of having fast beating, fluttering, or pounding heart. So, we already have an excuse for what could be, maybe, alleged, could, could possibly be, could reasonably be, vaccine injury. There's already an excuse. Post-pandemic stress disorder. Post-pandemic stress disorder. Increasing heart issues in young people, 30 to 45, and it couldn't possibly be anything else. It could, but here's the thing. Here's the funny thing. I could be completely talking out of my ass right now. I could be making no sense right now. Okay? I could be completely wrong. But if I'm not, but if I'm not, I'll tell you this one thing. If it is the vaccine, all of those people will have zero recourse for retribution. The liability shield that was granted these Vaccine manufacturers ensures that if there is a massive scale side effect that ruins the lives of individuals, they will not be able to seek financial recourse. Think about that. Think about that. And people ask me why I didn't get vaccinated. And I'll, of course, there's a lot of skepticism around the FDA, whatever, but <laughs> my... Uh, maybe I'll wait and see turned into a hard no the second I found out about the liability shield I'll sit here and tell you this right now I'll make this commitment to everybody on this podcast I will never take a pharmaceutical drug ever that has a liability shield if you have faith in your medicine you don't need a liability shield 
right? Doesn't that make sense? If it's safe and effective, then why a liability shield? That is the biggest thing to me. And the fact there's going to be people, and there are people right now dealing with vaccine injuries. No recourse, no settlements, no money, no nothing. Tell me that's right. Even if you believe in the vaccine, even if you think, even if you're vaccinated, whatever, whatever your thoughts are, tell me that's okay. Make an argument for that being okay. Please, I'd love to hear it. Do a full rebuttal. I'll bring you on the fucking podcast. Make a coherent argument that can hold up to scrutiny and makes this make sense. Because to me right now, this is fucking criminal. Absolutely criminal. Risk-free profits and zero accountability. That's what we've decided that these big pharma companies deserve. (sighs) Devastating. Really devastating. But maybe it's post-pandemic stress disorder and I'm full of shit. We talk a lot on this show about how things um, that are bipartisan are generally shit. Right? But there's a, there's a high uh, bipartisan agreement consensus on a thing. It's probably fucking terrible for you. And we have a great example of that right here. Slate says, did anyone even look at the massive dispense budget before passing it? By an overwhelming margin, bipartisan, uh, the House passed a bill to spend $778 billion on the next year's defense. $25 billion more than what President Joe Biden had requested. I think Joe Biden's request was to meet inflation, which is a lot now, but $25 billion more. Never leave a birdie putt short. The Senate is expected to second the motion within days. The sum, a 5% increase over last year's defense bill, amounts to the nation's largest military spending bill since World War II, even adjusting for inflation. So we're spending more money now on our defense spending. That's a silly ass, like, <laughs> a silly, that's a silly thing to call it. We're spending more now than we were in the middle of World War II adjusted for inflation. How does that make any sense? Yet no officials or lawmakers have spelled out why the budget, which includes $740 billion for the Pentagon, oh, they'll never get audited, $28 billion for the Energy Department's nuclear weapons program, needs to be quite this huge, um, another $10 billion for defense-related activities re- uh, related to the FBI so they can entrap, you know, and, and radicalize young men into doing something they had no intention of doing in the first place or pretend to kid, kidnap a, a governor of a state. Weird. Department of Homeland Security, the Coast Guard, and a few other agencies. Yes, China has expanded its military presence in the Pacific and Russian forces are looming over Ukraine, but in the early 1980s, the Cold War peak in the U.S. military spending, vast garrisons were deployed along both sides of the east-west German border, and the U.S. and Russia were engaged in an almost unbridled nuclear arms race. Today's dangers don't pose nearly the level of of that level of military challenge. Now, if you want to, if you're more of a visual learner, this is what it looks like. Right here, we have China, India, Russia, the UK, Saudi Arabia, which they spend most of their money on our arms, um, Germany, France, Japan, South Korea, Italy, and Australia, the next eleven largest countries in the world. Their combined military budget is seven hundred and sixty-one billion dollars. Ours again, seven hundred and seventy-eight billion dollars. The funny thing is that in our lifetimes, most likely we're going to see a $1 trillion military budget. Where's the, where's the talk about spending here? 
where's the speak? The only people I know that talk about spending on the military and it's odd because they've, they've had a lot of they've had a lot of um, crossover lately is Rand Paul and Bernie Sanders. I mean, is that is that odd? I mean, I know that libertarians and socialists agree on more things than they disagree on, particularly when it comes to foreign interventionist wars and military spending. But where's the discussion about this? Where's the discussion about this, Ben Shapiro? You, liber- you the, 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 the defenders of, of the deficit, anti-spending advocates. Where are we at? Where are we at? This is one year. One year. The infrastructure bill is like what two billion over ten years? What does this end up being? If you what's what's eight hundred billion times ten? Eight trillion over ten years? Are we not concerned about that shit? We don't even know where this fucking money goes. We have no idea where this money goes. And we're still selling arms to Saudi Arabia. Who's furthering a genocide in Yemen? This is where we're at. This is the country we live in. $778 billion a year. And didn't we just end a war? Didn't we just end a war, dude? Do we have to, what? Is it going to cost $778 billion to replace all the shit we left in Afghanistan? <laughs> like, what the? What are they even doing? What are they doing? I have zero. <laughs> Unless we're planning something big here, this makes no sense. This makes absolutely no sense. I don't even know what to say. I mean, Russia. Russia spends like $11 on their defense spending, and they're, they're our biggest threat. China, what is it? Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, about $250 billion. $778 billion. Beautiful. Beautiful. Bipartisan. Bipartisan consensus on a almost eight hundred billion dollars military budget. Oh wow, wow! God bless America. And now it's time for that part of the show where I give you something to think about. So CNN has um, had a rough week. Chris Cuomo and then Don Lemon working with Jesse Smollier. Their credibility is at an all-time low. I mean, who do they have left? Brian Stelter. <laughs> and it seems like there's rumors that they're going to be cleaning house a little bit. You know, go back to straightforward news, which I think is a terrible idea. Because let's be honest. In the news environment that we have today, there's not really any avoiding partisan news. Ideologically focused news. So, I had an idea last night as I was cooking some dinner. What if they did this? Okay? Any show that was more than one host, have them just be wildly ideological different. Right, ideologically different. Just out, just like more so than Crystal and Sagar at breaking points. Right, like they're they're both you know left and right populism. 
So there's a lot of overlap there, and they agree on many things, which I appreciate. But I'd like to see two smart, articulate, aggressive people in that same role on CNN. And then do this. So have this, <laughs> this kind of bipartisan, politically homeless type show, right? Do that in place of like your, whatever your morning show is on CNN, like kind of the Fox and Friends of CNN, right? Which could just would devolve into a shit show and be super fun to watch. And then with your shows like that take the place of Don Lemon show and Brian Stelter's show and Chris Cuomo's show, just play political pong with this shit. Do the equivalent of like a Rachel Maddow at seven and a Tucker Carlson at eight. And then maybe some crazy libertarian at nine and then finish it up with a socialist at 10. Why not? Why not? Why don't you, you know, get a, get a Brianna Joy Gray on there. Have her go after it. Fuck. Charlie Kirk's probably available. He'd like some legitimacy. That would be a shit show. And that would be honest. And it might just represent the largest portion of the United States that cable news has ever seen. So, what do you think about it? I'd watch it. I think you might too. But either way, it's something to think about, guys. Oh, thanks for dealing with me today. This is not an easy one. I'll be back next week. I'll be back on Sunday if you're in the Patreon. I'm going to go try and kill an antelope this weekend. It's going to be really weird driving around feeling like this, but you got to do what you got to do. I'm grateful to be here. Don't judge me too harshly. (laughs) I'm going to go lay down now. I love you guys. Keep your head on straight, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.